January 24, 2018. It's a lot from Pedro's show. Thank you. 
Watt for Pedro show, January 24th. Brother Matt unexpectedly had a buddy pass away and had to go to funeral, so I'm in Pedro here. Not completely man alone because the wonder of Skype and the engineers over in Estonia, I am connected with John Hurden. Where are you calling from? You're in SoCal, right? Yeah, I live in Eagle Rock these days. Eagle in, uh, Rock. Northeast, northeast side. Yeah, well, I had a great, uh, I still do, but he lives in New York City. And now his client lived there for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Carla Boslich. So I've been there a few yeah. times. It's kind of neat. It's a little, uh, I haven't played a record store. I can't remember the name with uh, Seb and the Radix. Uh, uh, it's a neat little en enclave. Uh, like Pasadena almost. Yeah, I mean, uh, my my kid's mom lives in, in Altadena. Actually, uh, Je Jeff Jeff Parker lives in, from Tortoise, lives in Altadena okay. also now. More east. These days. Yeah, east side. Yeah, that used to be Dairyland. When I first came to California, that was Dairies. Uh, the Altadena Dairy, yeah. That's, they still have, you can still drink the milk. Okay, and uh, also, there was a lot of the space. Uh, the, there's colleges there, Claremont. That's funny, there's Claremont and Montclair. <laughs> right, right. Occidental College is right around the corner right. here, too, I think. That's right. Um, uh, JPL, I I'm thinking more Caltech, JPL, the space things were there. I think Jonathan Lethem was teaching out there, too. Anyway, uh, yeah, to get from there to Pedro, that's some traffic. Eagle Rock, not as bad. <laughs> Just make your way the Harbor Freeway. So, John, uh, we got to both thank uh, Brother Stevie for Connect because, you know, I've been a fan of your band for so long. Uh, uh, I, you know, me and Kay once, so this is going way back, but before Jeff was with you, uh, we were on a tune called Corn Poem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of a remix thing, and we just <laughs> ended up putting our own basses on it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. That's it totally really strange. Amazing. It was a long time yes. ago, but thank you, I think thank it was you. Uh, via Doug, your uh, uh, bass uh, man. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, for, for that first record. Right, yeah. right. Can we uh, get personal with you? Can, can you what's your uh, furthest back music memory? Wow. Furthest back music memory. Hmm. Um, oh, while you're thinking, I should tell people we start off the show with John Coltrane doing After the Crescent, and then you with Tortoise doing 10-Day Interval. Oh, <laughs> cool, thanks. <laughs> um, so, you know, just something that relate to music that you can go, you know, some guys can remember back to two and shit. I can't. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, my my parents were were music fans and there was always music around the house um you mean by fans like, like they're, they're more listeners than players listeners not players yeah. although um my my mom i grew up you know i grew up on a commune um i was in uh i had like kind of a any, anyway i moved to this commune when i was about five um in in uh cambridge Massachusetts um and uh oh, that's kind of the city yeah right in the city um <laughs> on Green Street um, so you're thinking commune you're thinking more like out in the country 
Well, we we eventually moved to the country okay. in like seven, 76. My folks bought some land in North Carolina, so we so we moved to Western North Carolina. But before that, we were living in Cambridge, and um, you know, my favorite band at the time. Me and my brother hung out with these other kids, the Chasons, Tommy and John Chason, and we were super into the Who. Um, so we were just like you know, listening to like meaty, beady, big and bouncy. Oh, yeah. Tommy, Tommy had just come out. We were like going to see that in the, in the theaters all the time. Um, oh, you so, mean the, uh, Ken Russell movie. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> totally amazing. I think I saw it like probably like eight times in the theater when I came out. Cause did you, totally, did you, what about nowadays? Isn't it kind of lame? Weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, for sure. Uh, I think that, but, I don't know. There's there's a beautiful charm. I, I could watch. Um, you know what weirded uh, me I out? I could watch Keith. I could watch Keith Moon of course, all day right. long. So, but what, what weirded me out was John Entwistle redid the bass, and it's like kind of, you know what I mean for the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, it's like kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, gay porn music. Nothing wrong with that, but it kind of was strange <laughs> versus uh, Tommy. <laughs> right. I guess touch yeah. me, feel me. Uh, so, so your so earliest like, so, memory so, is the Who. So, so we're so we're no, well, so we're super into the Who. My my uncle promises me and my friend Tommy to tickets to go see the Who. Oh, wow! For for Christmas, so he he bags out and doesn't produce the tickets. Oh. My friend Tom, my friend Tommy goes, sees the gig. Um, Keith Moon passes out like second second uh, song or something, and. Uh, and so they give everybody rain checks to go see the the Who again. So my dad, I guess, felt bad. So he got my dad, he got me and my brother tickets to go see the Stones with Stevie Wonder opening up um, at Boston Gardens. And I guess wow. that was my maybe like seventy four, seventy five, something like that. So I think it was like Goat's Head Soup era. Um, and I remember seeing that that gig, but. You know, something happened. The Stones were late for the gig. I don't know. Like Stevie Wonder played extra, extra long, and and then I I just remember like going home and just like checking out my my parents' Stevie Wonder collection and and just really just kind of listening to those records on repeat. Whoa! And uh, now did uh, yeah, commune or maybe some guitars laying around? But you end up a drummer, man. So it was a drum circles. <laughs> No, <laughs> there were no drum circles. <laughs> My folks were like, uh, they were like hand weavers okay. and and craftspeople mostly. My my mom's an architect. Um, my dad left when I was young um, to move. Actually, moved out here. Um, I actually went for a, a year of high school in Los Angeles in '83. Oh. Um, and uh what part i was i was i went to university high okay um, uni i went to uni yeah so and, and that was great because there unfortunately i never saw i never saw you play during that year that i was here but i was here 83 84 but i did see circle jerks and black flag and a, a lot of great bands um Battalion of Saints. Um, San Diego. <laughs> yeah. um, that was like one of the only the, bands got, out of that town then. They didn't have a lot going on then. 
I got to see blood on the saddle at the Cafe de Grand, which was cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw. I saw Boom! X. We put out their first record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, we did. Oh, it was hell Boom's yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh man. Greg, uh, Greg, and uh, Annette Zelenka. She had quit the ba- bangs. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a cat named Herman on the drums. I remember. And Ron, Ron on the bass stand-up. Uh, what, how did you... Did you do music at school? I did, man. You know, I, I tried to... I got... There was no There was no band in our school during elementary school, but yeah. in high school. Um, but they, they brought the band for, like, my, one of my last years of elementary school to the school and to, I think, like, to... Um, for recruits for the, for the high school band. Like marching band? Yeah, for the marching band. So I was like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I want to be a drummer." And they were like, oh, "Too many drummers. Do you play clarinet?" Okay. So I, so I played clarinet for a year. I, I, I was like, "All right, okay. If this gets me in the in the door." Yeah. So, um, and then uh, right around then, I started taking private lessons outside of school um, on the drums and learned enough how to read and stuff that. I went and auditioned for a drum chair, and, and I got like a snare drum marching position. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Here, <laughs> I, I want to play something from the Poster Children. Uh, okay.
To a small college in Ohio, he was a music major. It was in the '60s when students were rebels against society. He played his own small part, though his action was limited and unclear. It all began on the road. He drove back to New York now and then for weekends and on Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, and summer vacations. It was a long drive, more than ten hours. The car was usually packed with students from the New York area. They'd pull off the turnpike three or four times during the trip. The service areas featured Howard Johnson's restaurants. They'd sit at the counter before placemats illustrated with puzzles, mazes, optical illusions, and information about birds, coins, birthstones, famous ships, and flowers of the season. On the mirror facing them were the names of more than fifty ice creams. He liked to make fun of the selection by asking for even more exotic flavors. He'd say, "Could I please have a broccoli mint、uh, apple pie cobbler?" "Ah,、uh, no, no, wait. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think I'd prefer the orange sunburst、uh, chicken nut fudge crunch."、Uh, could you?、Uh, no, 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 no.、Uh, no, I-, I know what I want. I know.、Uh, I'd like to try the. Pistachio fried egg okra delight with dehydrated applesauce topping and stewed lungs, please. C- could you do that for me? 
His friends thought he was a wit. They laughed at almost everything he said. On the counter, brownies wrapped in cellophane were displayed on platters. And it started as an accident. He took a brownie and meant to pay for it at the cash register. But when he was outside, walking to the car, he realized he'd forgotten. Rather than go back, he unfolded the cellophane and ate it. At the next service area, he stole a few more brownies to share with his friends. At the third stop, he borrowed a purse from one of the girls, held it in his lap at the counter near the display platter, filled it with about a dozen brownies, then passed it back to her. And finally, just outside New York, he emptied an entire platter of brownies into his book bag. The restaurants were so busy and understaffed that no one noticed. He and his friends went back to the car and shared the take. But they could only eat so many. The brownies were terribly rich, and he soon found himself with a surplus. By the time they completed the round trip to and from New York, he'd accumulated about fifty. So he began to collect them. He thought he'd build something out of them, but he didn't know what. All he knew was that he needed more of them. So whenever he went out for a drive off campus, he'd stop at local Howard Johnson's restaurants to steal as many brownies as he could. And eventually, over a period of a few months, he amassed two steamer trunks filled with brownies. The brownies got hard and stale, but they didn't rot. He had them neatly banded together, the way they stack money in bank heist movies. And his brownie collection became famous. Students from all over the campus came to look at it. But after a while, the brownies began to stink up his room. The odor of stale chocolate was in his clothes, in his shoes, in his hair. Finally, he decided to get rid of them. But he didn't want to just throw them out. He wanted to do something whimsical, original, and inspiring to continue to feed his reputation as a campus legend. And then he got an idea. He'd return them. So he put one of the suitcases in the trunk of his car. And every time he stopped at a Howard Johnson's, he'd fill the pockets of his shirt, jacket, and pants with brownies, walk in, sit down at the counter, and during the meal, slowly empty his pockets, adding his own brownies to those already on the platters in front of him. Soon everyone knew of his project, and he was the talk of the college. They thought it was a great idea, and they were all behind him. The Thanksgiving vacation went well. He managed to return half a suitcase of brownies because he and his friends stopped at every service area coming and going between Cleveland and New York. Then at Christmas, the tradition of the brownie platters was discontinued. They arrived at the first Ohio, Howard Johnson's rest stop, his pockets filled with the dry, hard brown tablets. But the platters were gone. He was stunned. Then he saw the brownies had been moved to the candy counter in front of the cash register. They were stacked neatly in racks. It was too risky to try adding his stolen brownies to the stack in front of the cashier, so he sat down at the counter and ordered dinner. He ate everything and polished his plate with his napkin. Then, with the plate in his lap, he piled all his brownies, Howard Johnson's style, on it, put it on the counter, paid for his dinner, and left. At the next plaza, his friends helped him, 
They argued with the cashier about what they said was an overcharge, while he reached into the deep, fully loaded pockets of his overcoat to return dozens of more stale brownies to the shelves. And when they left, the brownies had spread over the caramello bars and the maple sugar people and the lollipops. By that summer, he managed to return every brownie he'd stolen. And it wasn't long before Howard Johnson's restaurants were converted into cafeterias with pre-cooked food lined up in trays in front of you, and they installed pay toilets and replaced the paper towels with those cheap blow dryers. And not long after that, you saw them closing down, being boarded up and raised. And although he knew it was because of the expanding fast food industry, the McDonald's, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Outlets, the Burger Kings, Hardee's, Roy Rogers, Pizza Huts, and all the rest. He felt somehow that he'd personally contributed to it all. That he'd played his small part in the decline of a great American institution. Sometimes, going down the river at night, you'll see in a clearing on a hill a house with an orange roof and turquoise shutters, looking like a cross between a summer cottage and a doll's house. An old whore in a negligee, lounging in the doorway, whispering.
Watt from Pedro Show. Yeah, that was outside in for the poster children. Uh, you were just telling me you were living in Chicago at the time. Then they were Champagne Urbana band. They were, yeah. I, uh, I, they, uh, they had a, they had a great drummer. This guy Bob Rising, who plays on their first couple records, or maybe I don't. He might just be on the. Anyway, they had a record on Twin Tone out of Minneapolis called uh, Flower Plower. Or no, maybe the record was called Daisy Chain Reaction. Yeah, yeah. Twin Tone, anyway, I, I think. I saw, I saw them uh, open for Mud Honey in Chicago. By the way, and, they're, uh, working, they're working on a new album. Mud Honey is? Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, and... I don't know. I think like Steve Albini had seen the band that I was in at the time it was a band called precious wax trippings. We put a, out a few records, a couple records, um, and knew that poster kit children were looking for a drummer and suggested them that, that, and so uh, we, we met up and it seemed like a, a good connection. And then, made this record tool of the man that was on Warner reprise and then just did like, I don't know, about 18 months of touring. Um, pretty much nonstop. I was on, on the road. Uh, but kind of around the time that was when Doug and I started playing around with the idea of making some songs for for a band that eventually became Tortoise. Doug McCombs. Yeah, Doug McCombs. Who was in sep uh, Seventh Day Deep Dream Day? Eleventh. He was That's in 11th, 11th. 11th Dream Day. Dream That's Day, it. yeah. I'm sorry, my memory. <laughs> so I, I've done a bunch of gigs with them. <laughs> yeah, that, that band is still going, still putting out records on Thrill Jockey. Oh, wow, great. Yeah. So um, that's like the seeds of Tortoise. So, yeah, so... Uh, it seemed to me like the writing on the wall with the poster children because of what they wanted to do was just make a record and then go on tour and play like, you know, 300 shows in a year or something, which is cool. But, but I had my, my I started this other musical project with, with Doug and, and I didn't, I actually, I didn't want to be on tour and in doing that i the i wanted i really wanted to to work with with my friends in chicago and we should back up like, a little bit the the wax drippings uh yeah how'd that band get that's a chicago band right yeah so how do you get from that uh your buddy talking about the who gig in massachusetts over to and that well there was a little break in la over to chicago yeah, um, I moved to Chicago in January of 85. I graduated high school from uni high in 84 and went, went back to, to North Carolina for the summer and uh, was working, like bussing tables and playing in a little cover, in, in, a, in a covers band that I was actually in through a lot of high school, some people who had a covers band that were friends of my parents. Um, 
asked me when I was about 15 if I wanted to be the drummer in this band. So we were, uh, it was kind of fun through high school, like playing bars and hotels and like wedding parties, weddings, not so much of that, but more just like we had like a regular bar gig. Okay. And that, that was fun. Um, and it was like a lot of 60s and 50s rock and roll. Um, but we also did some like Les Paul and Mary Ford tunes and some uh, some originals. So What made um, you want to go to Chicago? Well, I, so, so during the summer that I was in North Carolina, um, I, I met someone who was from Asheville, the little town outside of where I grew up, um, that I was living in, um, who was going to school in Chicago. And we just became friends and... I just, I said, if you, if, you know, if, if there's ever space in your place and you're looking for a roommate, I'm looking to get out of Asheville and try to do something. Um, so around the next year, um, North Carolina has Asheville, South Carolina has Ashland, right? They're both in the West. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know about Ashland. I I space on that because, uh, Warren Haynes is from one of those towns. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I think Warren it's the South one. Ashland. Right? Yeah, but huh. my memory. That's that's really interesting. So just by chance friendship, you got yeah. tugged into Chicago. I, oh, I should say that rest of music. Uh, uh, got Out West from SS Space Systems, uh, Substitute 11, an Educational Nightmare, Teleplay, Guided by Voices. Joe Frank with Howard Johnson's Brownies. And finally, Star Liquor. You're doing some straight ahead. The Orange Blossom. Uh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is stuff you flowed me. I asked you. It's kind of a diverse thing. So that's very interesting. Yeah. So you go there. You you're, you got a new roommate. You're in a big fucking town. Yeah. And uh, you find these wax dripping guys. I, yeah. I uh, uh, I just kind of moved up into the city. Uh, I was living in like. Uh, just a few blocks away from from Wrigley Field, oh, Clark um, Street, and moved in with with a bunch of people who were art students and musicians, and just kind of uh, fell into a, a little bit of a, a music scene, um, and <clears throat> was I lived not far from like the the Cabaret Metro too, which is right there, so sure. I was going to going to a lot of shows and actually like Bill, Bill Little from post from Precious Wax Drippings um, just approached me on the street and was like, you know, hey, heard you're a drummer. We got a band. We're looking for a drummer. You want to come and play? And they their practice <laughs> space was like was three blocks from where I lived. So I yeah. just went I skate. I think I, I got on my skateboard and shredded over there, and and then we. <laughs> what about drum kit? Did you had a drum kit? Did you bring from uh, North Carolina? Absolutely, okay. yeah. I had like a little Slingerland kit. Yeah, I was rocking. Would you bring um, it in a station wagon? Then, say what? Station wagon. Uh you know what? Uh, I I I ship. I mailed them up because I drove up in this 
and my friend's uh, old Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Carmen Ghia. Yeah. You was getting, car- you're not getting yeah, a drunk was- kit in a Carmen Ghia. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No. I've seen dudes do it with a bug, but not a Carmen Ghia. Georgie yeah. did it with a fucking TR250. Oh, yeah. Also a GT6. Yeah, yeah, a little hatchback somehow. He, well, he used a golf sack and shit like that. You know, uh, whatever it takes, I think you're going to get the get the drums there. Do you remember the first Precious Wax Drippin's gig? Whoa, first gig. Um, no, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah. Hey, it happens, I've, man. I've... I've forgotten more shit than the universe you, contains. I mean, you remember, you remember the first Minutemen gig? Uh, I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> have the date right. It keeps changing, but uh, uh, yeah, it was with the uh, flag and uh, the Vanguard Art the- uh, Gallery up in L.A. with uh, I think middle class too, and it was flag uh, without Keith had quit. Uh-huh. So, but but he was there, and Spot was singing Louie Louie and that oh, shit. A weird guy in that decline movie, Mike Marine, he uh, punches him out. Or X Head, maybe it's X Head. One of those two weirdos. I hope they they're better now, but they used to be violent. Yeah. And they punch Spot out, and some. I remember some hearing some asshole. I don't know who it was say, "Louis Louis a white man song," which was so bizarre. Uh, so I remember shit like that. Yeah, because uh, Richard Berry wrote a black man. <laughs> yeah. And it's about a guy, maybe kind of like a, I don't know, limbo Caribbean kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. It's, it's just funny. I can remember some things, but I can't remember others. I can't remember most of my teachers in school. You can't so, remember what? Most of the teachers I had in school. Right. Professors, anything of that shit. I remember a couple, but not much. <laughs> uh, I just asked that because... You know, the first of anything is kind of, for well, for me, they're always scary. So I was wondering, uh, well, look, we're coming to the end of the first hour. So uh, next hour, I'm going to let you think about it in advance. Uh, do you, if you can remember the first tortoise gig. Okay. Okay. We're at the <laughs> yeah. end of the first hour, January 24th, 2018. Edition of the Wife from Peebo Show. Special guest John Hernan with me. People hold tight for hour two. But I needed to get my uh, my bloodborne pathogens um, credentials to to know that I knew how to handle them. So I did the class in Pedro. And Whoa. actually, while I was driving while I was driving through Pedro, I was totally like, "Man, I wonder if Watts around. I wonder." <laughs> totally. Well, if I wasn't on tour, it probably was. <laughs> I was looking for you lurking, man, but I didn't see you. <laughs> okay, hey, we're uh, uh, January twenty four, two thousand eighteen. It's the second hour of the Lot for Pedro show.
。小鹿最骄傲的就是他的妈妈。小时候最喜欢扑在妈妈的怀里，最幸福的时间就是生日的时候，妈妈给他做完最心爱的羊肉面。要一天他听了一首 rocking 路的歌，把他的生活生活完全来改变。买吉他不回家，一直去玩 rocking 路。要成功不再要妈妈辛苦的生活。小鹿，你真不知道幸福究竟是什么。妈妈最幸福的就是她昵称的样子。你回家吧，困难的时候，回家妈妈给你做最喜欢的呀。
Show we started off the second hour with uh, Tortoise doing the name of the synthesizer over there, John McIntyre guy. It's called Xinjiang Hetchen Chi. <laughs> so yes, yeah. And then Fair we had P. Stuff. And then I, I played some. Uh, you know, I was there in March for the first time. Ten months. And oh, uh, you? Oh, where, where did you go? Well, it was mainly just in the east and northeast. You know, uh, <clears throat> so most of them were around the Shanghai area, some Beijing. Uh, Oh wow! Uh, uh, it was Were twelve you... gigs in twenty-two days. Was it, anyways, was it with, I got uh, to play with some Stooges? bands, and uh, they gave me some music. So we played PK fourteen, which uh, is the old timers for those guys. Uh, Ice Age, uh, Street Kill, Strange Animals. I played with them in Beijing. Uh, Vortex, a buoy with mutton soup, a noodle soup, the top floor circus with the pram and the wheelchair, uh, pumpkins, Starry Starry Night. I had to edit out about three minutes. They put three minutes of silence in the middle of the tune. And I thought people wouldn't get that. Huh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, John Cage, you know, they're learning. You can yeah. tell that she's a dud by the fact she has a photo of her nephew as the back background on her phone, and that's by Round Eye. And they're Laowais, which is, means foreigner. And they're coming to tour the U.S. or coming back home. To, to, uh, I think they're bringing a China guy on guitar in the next month. Um, so, yeah, you can't remember the first Precious Wax Drippings, but can you remember the first Tortoise gig? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. We, uh, we were, actually, we played at, um, we were supposed to open for, for the X from 
group, the yeah. X, um, and with Tom Cora was playing with them at the ah, time. But on the uh, um, cello and shit. Yeah. Incredible, incredible cat. <clears throat> so I mean, we were we were totally, incredibly excited about the gig, um, and somehow the the X guys were on they were on tour in Canada, um, and they got held up at the border and they they wouldn't let them in to the country. So um, the people at the venue, um, rather than canceling the gig, said, why don't you guys just want to play and we'll just make it a free show. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't get to see or play with the ex at, at that time, though we've played a a bunch with them since then um but it meant that like just a ton of our friends showed up and we played and and it was super super fun and totally nerve-wracking and but <laughs> now but, we should but, talk about the band now you and doug started it how did you fill it up <laughs> with the other cats doug and i uh had had just booked some time at the studio um, that was run by by Brad Wood, who uh, who's a producer um, and rec- re- recording engineer and a, a great drummer. He was in the band Shrimp Boat back in the day. You booked some time, just you and Doug. Just Doug and I. Uh, we were gonna try to record a few songs um, about I don't know, maybe like a couple days before we were going into the studio. John was hanging out with Bundy. And, ah, Bundy uh, Brown, great cat. Bundy Brown, and uh, who was in the band Bastro with and with John McIntyre at the same at the time. So Bundy and John show up to the studio, and we're like, "You guys, you guys should play on this material." And that's kind of how this, the band was started. Yeah, this is called Bumps. Oh yeah, this yeah. is a. Uh, this is just McIntyre and Dan Bitney and I. We put this record out on Stone's Throw a bunch of years ago. Okay.
Seldom seen. Will you hold it down, down for me, honey lover, keeper of the bees, singing. וביום השבת, הפסקת אש. החיים פולטים הנחתם ומתיישבים בצל עצי הזית. הפצועים נושכים את שפתם עד זוב דם. ואילו המתים צועקים, נגמר, אפשר לצאת, וקוראים בציפורניים פרועות את האפר הקשה, עליו יושבים החיים וממוללים רגבים יבשים בציפורניים מלוכלכות.
Watt for Pedro Show. Started off with a safe bomb from the bumps. Shy talk after that. Uh, Joel up at the Clooney. Jordy guy. Uh, what's it called? Newcastle. Yeah. yeah always got to remember that humble pie there. Uh, with uh, Warlord of the Dance. He's got a new band, Shy Talk. Then Frog Hair out of Houston with Honey, honey You've Been on My Mind. FAA beat it out. They're Houston also. DMF from the, behind the Orange County. Fanger. Jonas Williams from Australia. Judy Davis, 1518 out of Italy with Russian alpinism. Maldivisa, España, Sea of Limbs. Farther south out of Israel with on the seventh day. And finally, Five Style, Deep Marsh. What's Five Style about there, John? Five Style was uh, a group that was mostly about this kid Bill Dolan's uh, songs Um, Bill was a a kid from Rockford, Illinois um, moved to Chicago and and, uh, we started playing mostly when we first got together we were were just kind of we were really into like the meters ah and, 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 and and so George Porter we were into the meters but we were also into like you know decroison and, oh yeah <laughs> and yeah, and, and the Tar Babies we were oh yeah the, Bucky Pope yeah so that new band I've been playing his music we, and we loved like the, the big boys and I, you know Tim just Kerr. yeah so, so a little funky so thing. I was just kind of trying to figure out how to... Not so much power chords on the guitar. P- yeah, play and have like a like a percolating kind of sensibility. Yeah. Amazing about Zigaboo where he could put the kick drum anywhere he fucking wants. <laughs> oh my God, man. You know yeah. it's like that too is Brendan and Fugazi. <clears throat> totally. Put the kick drum wherever he wants, you know. I remember Georgie once told me when I asked him about some kick drum placement, he said, you, don't you understand kick drum is just something I put in between everything else? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he said it was like playing drums to him was like juggling on your tailbone. And the worst thing, yeah. is why we call that record live totem, worst thing if you didn't get to the head before the gig, he said it was like, a, well, like the metaphor was twofold because it was like it was pounding inside of you. And then the faces on the totem pole was like your faces dealing with that. <laughs> we come to the end of the second hour. 2024, 2000. January 2024, 2018 edition of Show. Special guest John Hurd. Hold time for hour three. January 24, 2018. It's the third hour of the Lot for Pedro Show.
Pedro Show started off the third hour with Tortoise doing Magnet Pulls Through. That makes sense. David Gerard out of Massachusetts doing Entrance Music Part 1-4. Five Style. Another one. Deep Marsh. Fuck, I played it twice. <laughs> you you so must nice have said it to me a second time. <laughs> so nice, I had to play it so twice. That's how fucking happening that tune is. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, in the 16 years, almost 500 shows, ever played the same song. In the same show. But you know, John, uh, you deserve it. You and your guys, John McIntyre. <laughs> By the way, uh, you know, uh, Tom Watson told me this years ago that, that your nickname is Johnny Machine. Yeah. yeah. Were you into Jackie? Because wasn't that his nickname too? You know what, man? Um, it's actually like just a play on Frankie Machine from The Man with the Golden Arm. Ah, like the, yeah. Frank Sinatra. like, oh, well... I mean, he plays the character, but in the book, the Nelson Algren book, it's the character's name is Frankie Machine. Um, oh, that's right. That's and, right. Uh, that's right. And uh, and and he's like, you know, he lives in Chicago in the neighborhood that I was living in at the time. Um, and that the the character in the book is a junkie who really wants to be a drummer. Yeah. And I was not a junkie, but I was playing with a bunch of people at the time who were just read a read a lot and kind of had this like sort of theater literature kind of art thing going and they were like everybody in the band had a nickname um and they were like your yours is going to be johnny machine so 
it just kind of stuff. Okay, okay. But what about influences? You were talking about uh, Keith Moon. But was Jackie one of your Jack? Who do you, I'm sorry, man. Are you talking about Jack DeJanet? Jack, <laughs> he's still around. <laughs> but uh, no, we lost Jackie last year. He played drums for Can. Uh, I'm sorry, Jackie Liebitz. Yeah, Liebitz, Liebitz, Liebitz. Love, man. You know, I I do I do like Jackie, but I I would never I never really dug too far into that stuff. Somehow it was it was just kind of. No, that's okay. Who was who was some of your influences? Uh, Don Bowles, um, Robo. I mean, I for sure love Robo. Uh, <laughs> I love those roles in Police Story. Ta, ta, yeah. Ta, 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 yeah, they all speed up. <laughs> um, man, who influences? Dang. Um, well, there probably was some from John McIntyre just playing with him for sure. Or maybe you were learning his ass. Or maybe it was Two Way Street. <laughs> um. Man, you know who I super loved was Ray Washam. Oh, sure, sure, Texas. Yeah, I really loved his playing on the on the Big Boys record. Big Boys. Uh, the, he was also the, in the Buttholes. The, ca- the cafeteria. He was Scratch he was Acid. In Scratch Acid. Yeah, he was in Scratch Acid. I love that dude. Um, what about this? Because we also played Screw from the Hard Girls and then Rest for the Wicked from Isotope Two Seventy. How, how did that's with Jeff, right? He was a later member yeah, of Taurus. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's with Jeff. Um, well, tell me the story. With Isotope? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that record, uh, or that that band started out um, just from jam sessions that we were having around Chicago. Um, and just kind of like, usual suspects who would be showing up at the, at the session. And often it was Dan and Rob and Jeff. Uh, so we were just kind of like playing and at, at different people's houses, having a lot of sessions, playing free music. You know, we were uh, super into like whatever, the Coltrane, <laughs> and, like and Col- Coltrane and, and Ornette Coleman and art ensemble of Chicago. And just kind of like, Listening to a lot of yeah, but when free, you see something like whatever, I'm thinking Paul music. Lynn, Charles Nelson, <laughs> Riley, you know, right? <laughs> um, Carol Channing. Uh, so we just we asked these these people at this at this bar, the Rainbow Club. Actually, you know what? Dose played the Rainbow, and I was I was bartending at the time when you, you guys know, I played. Blew the, out my knee, right? Blew out your knee. I, I gave you a big shot of Maker's Mark from the bar. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Because I was hurting I, really bad. <laughs> yeah. I had actually seen your show earlier um, with Firehose. Run West and Run. And then, I, and then I jumped over for my shift at the Rainbow Club, and then you came up. You came later and played too, <laughs> which is awesome. Totally amazing. So that's Isotope started. We played every Monday at the Rainbow Club for like two years before we ever recorded a record. Oh wow, great! And uh, so that was just that was just from that, just like a place to play. We would show up every Monday and just play two sets, starting from at eight o'clock and end at eleven. And we would just improvise mostly, just two sets. Doesn't Jeff got something like that happening now in SoCal? He does. He plays uh, pretty regularly. There's a place in, uh, in Highland Park called 
uh, ETA, Club ETA, and, and he, he's playing there on a regular with, uh, with this really great bass player, Anna Butters. Um, Joey Belarus is a great drummer, is playing with him, I think, uh, a lot. Um, Josh Johnson is playing alto sax with him a bunch. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Well, let's listen to some nice Top 217 here. This is called New oh. Beyond.
Okay, last music for this edition. New Beyond from Isotope 217. Uh, from Osaka, the Bronx. We were talking about boredoms. Fuck girl cops. Birds of Paradise out of uh, Canada with uh, River No Return. Yeah, I think Montreal. And then finally, Moster, Parker, Abrams, and Herndon with Pajama Jazz. Now, this has some kind of connect with the Star Liquor? Uh, no, I guess not. Um, that that was mostly... Because uh, we didn't uh, talk about Star Liquor. How did Star Liquor happen? Star Liquor happened because uh, I was playing with, with this group uh, led by, Rob, well, Rob from Isotope. Sure. Rob Mazurek from Isotope. Uh, well, after Isotope split up, Rob started up a large group uh, the Exploding Star Orchestra and asked me to, to perform with them. So I, I played some gigs with them and made a record. And uh, and then Rob just kind of started forming smaller groups from the, the larger orchestra. Uh, and Starlicker was just one of the splinter groups. Ah, that's um, the core, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, Starlicker is me and Jason... Adeshevitz, vibraphonist, and Rob uh, Trio, um, vibes, cornet, and drums. Okay. And what about this uh, band that did pajama jazz? Uh, yeah, so that that was actually, Jeff and I had a regular weekly gig uh, with Josh Abrams, who plays bass on that record, in Chicago. Um, uh, and this dude, Shetel Moster, who uh, is a Norwegian tenor player, um, was in town and was friends of friends and knew that Jeff and Josh and I were playing this gig and he was in town and asked if he could come and sit in. So he came to the gig and sat in and I guess he dug it because uh, he asked us to come to Norway and make this record with him. So, um we he flew us out and we with the big town Oslo. We played, yeah, we we played at the Oslo Jazz Fest with him, um, and then recorded three days, and then he made the record from edits of what we had recorded. Right. It was just all all free playing. Yeah, know? sure, but what a righteous cat to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's man, what's so great about music and the connects. John, what's your future? What's your plans? Right, you got coming up. Ah, uh, you know. Um, I got, uh, I have two kids, so um, I'm hanging out with the kids a lot um, these days. Uh, school is totally in effect. Um, my, what about recording? Kids, um, no recording plans right okay. now. Um, hopefully something will come up. Um, <laughs> uh, we got some tortoise gigs coming up next year it's it's just kind of really quiet right now for me i've been i'm also an illustrator and a painter um so i've been getting some work doing doing some illustrating and some painting where can uh, people uh see and hear your stuff do you have a website i do uh uh you can check it out it's a grapedope.com but it's been a, a long time since i've actually updated the any any of the 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 visual artwork up there you can hear some of my stuff like i got a soundcloud it's just a grape dope um 
And people, that's A G R A P E D O P E dot yes. com. Yeah, and then there's the and then there's a I got a big cartel page if you want to buy a painting. Um, it's just a grape dope slash big cartel, and then there's a SoundCloud cloud a grape dope. A grape dope was the name. I came up with that name because one of the first dudes that I ever played music with was my this kid Alan Kirkpatrick in North Carolina, um, and uh, we would just kind of play like ACDC tunes and stuff. And uh, I grew. It was in it was in Western North Carolina, and it was very Appalachian uh, dialect going on there. And the dope was the name for like a a soda pop. Um, so you'd stop at the country store, and people would be like. Like Alan, who just loved grape soda, would be like, "Hey Johnny, man, get me a grape dope." <laughs> and uh, and then poor Alan, man, lost his life our last year of high school. Oh. Um, yeah, ended up in an accident. And uh, but you know, he was like one of the first dudes that I played music with. So it, it's just kind of like an homage to yeah, sure, very the creative John. spirit very and and my man. So yeah. yeah. Big love. Yeah. Uh, one last thing. If somebody asked you advice about this music racket, what would you tell? I would say uh, dig deep in your heart and pull it out from there. Oh, that's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a huge honor for me to get to talk to you, John. Thank you so much for being on the show. Keep oh, thank on, you, man. On. man I'm, I'm, I've been such a, a huge, huge fan of, of everything that you do for so long. Thank you. It's been such an insanely awesome honor to be here okay. with you. That's really kind of you. Uh, I want you to keep on keeping on. Maybe you got to take a break right now for the little ones. But, okay. You know, the second yeah. win, it'll be coming up. Hell yeah. Uh, everybody out there, it's been January 24, 2018. Just a for Pedro Show. My special guest, John Hurden. Everybody out hey. there. Keep your Thank powder you. dry. <laughs>